Hey guys, thanks for waking up with us for another episode of Our Not So Simple Life podcast. Today, the drink on the menu for Delaney and I is I had an iced matcha. And I had an iced vanilla latte. From Gentile Coffee. And guys, I want to talk about the vibe of this place. I walked up and there's a little staircase to it. It looks very modern. It's got like a painted charcoal on the outside. And then you walk in and it's very like artsy but modern and nice like neutral colors like heavy on the charcoal but it was very quiet in there very quiet like very quiet like if a a pin dropped like you'd hear it and i was like oh shoot because i feel like sometimes i have like naturally kind of more of a loud voice and there was like four people in there like everyone was just working like on their laptops and stuff yeah so i must feel like i had to whisper you know a little bit but um the barista he did he was super nice he did ask me if i wanted my matcha sweetened and he sweetened it with honey um it still wasn't as sweet i think the matcha powder is different in like nor i think in north park with coffee shops what i've noticed is i think they use more of like an earthy like um matcha powder and it's not it's not like sweetened like with sugar or anything so it's more just like the matcha powder and they try and sweeten it up more, like, naturally, you know? But it, it doesn't taste as sweet as, like, you know, a Starbucks or Dunkin' or with sweetened matcha. But honestly, it was still pretty good. Um, it just, like I said, wasn't as sweet. But if you're somebody that doesn't really like too sweet of drinks, then I feel like this area and this place in particular is somewhere for you. What about your drink? Yeah, so kind of same thing with mine. Um, I got the vanilla latte i got it iced um i subbed oat milk in there because i usually get oat milk um for like a milk substitute and um i feel like it's a little heavy on the oat milk i don't get a lot of vanilla or coffee honestly it's just like it's a lot of milk um which creates kind of like a little bit of a it gave like a little bit of a stronger like aftertaste so it's not like super sweet, but it's not like super bitter either. Um, so I mean, if anything, like if they had like a simple syrup, I definitely probably would have put that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like of course, like the aesthetic was very nice, especially going to the outside. There's this whole like the patio. Yeah, it's this like whole a line. walkway. Yeah, yeah, and there's like palm trees and plants and like really nice tables and like the, like oh my god, it, this place was decorated. I would go back for like aesthetic alone, and I would definitely give it another try. I'm gonna yeah. give it like an eight point five out of ten. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it probably an eight out of ten, maybe mm-hmm. maybe a seven point five out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, like I said, if you're in the North Park area, this is definitely some place that you want to check out. But today we got a great episode for you guys. So we're bringing on Megan to talk about her acting career. So let's get into it. Please welcome to the show, actress and model, Megan Peck. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. And it's been of a, a bit of a wild road up to this interview. We were both sick. Delaney's on vacation, so she's not here. <laughs> but we're here. We made it. You yeah. know? It's a beautiful day in San Diego. So... Let's start from the beginning of your career. What made you initially fall in love with acting? 
Yeah. So I actually kind of had a weird journey to that. I started dancing hula when I was a kid. Um, and I danced with Haley E's Polynesian Review in San Diego. And through doing that, I developed a love for storytelling and for being on stage in a sense of like connecting people. Cause to me, that's what like live theater, live performance is. And so everything I know about acting to this day is literally from learning hula and from that love of storytelling. And so that was kind of my bridge. Um, and in high school, I was like, you know what? I'll try out a play or something because I love, you know, telling stories in this other way. I bet I'll love it in this way too. So I did. And then I kind of just stuck around. Acting can't get rid of me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like once you catch like the acting bug, it like never goes away because there's nothing quite like it. No, it's crazy. It's at least to me, my favorite thing about it is the connection. And I just, I don't know. It's a way to like bring joy and like you learn about other people through your plays and like through audiences and through other actors. And it's just, it's a very beautiful, very sacred thing. I'm very hippy dippy about my acting. <laughs> mm, I love that. Do you remember what your first play was in high school? Yeah, it was, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something my high school teacher put together. She basically took a bunch of like Twilight Zone episodes. Oh. And like, yeah, it was weird. And like made... <laughs> rips out of them and then we just did it like live on stage mm -hmm. and I played this old woman I don't remember her name I played some random old woman who kept getting like phone calls from beyond you know and I it was literally just me on stage every now and then my dead husband would like answer the phone but because it was just me out there I kept like mixing up the play and the lines because I had nobody else helping me stay on track and I like had all this old makeup on and like I had to scream because it was like you know supposed to be scary at certain points it was so embarrassing but yeah that's wow that's kind of a difficult role for like your first performance I feel because that the nerves must have been insane because it's literally just you out there like you were saying yeah, it was horrible. I was like 14 and I was just like, you know what? We're going to do it because especially in high school, like nowadays, I don't really feel that nervous just because, you know, I don't know the people in the audience, but in high school, you know, everybody and they know Oof. you. <laughs> so that's probably, yeah, no, that was not fun, but it was. Yeah, right. It was a good like way to like rip the bandaid off. Like, okay, like, you know, we're we're doing this now. Um, I know you have a background in singing too. So were you also in choir in high school as well? Yeah, I didn't start that until later because when I was a kid, I was horrible at singing. Horrible. Even my parents were like, Megan, shut up. Like bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't like I'm not one of those people who was like a naturally gifted like singer which is why I always tell people anybody can sing um you, it's love muscle you can learn it and work it just like anything else and in high school I started getting a little bit better because half of singing is just knowing your voice and so once I knew my voice a little better I started singing in the choir 
And I learned a lot about like voice through that. And it was really fun, but it wasn't really like a passion of mine. I don't think that I actually got really into it until like college when I started taking real voice lessons and like understanding different styles of singing and understanding like voice production. And now it's like, if anybody will let me talk their ear off about it, I will. But that right. was for me coming into singing. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like it always really does go hand in hand. Like if you if you do acting, it's always an added bonus if you can sing as well, you know, because then you can do like musicals and all different types of like genres of acting, you know? No, for real. And it's also like singing is just such a good exercise in your own like personal hesitations and trauma because <laughs> mm -hmm. we all of our tension in our voice. So I feel like singing is so beneficial to acting just because if you can figure out how to sing, you can figure out how to release tension. And if you can release tension, you can better tell the story. It's a exactly. whole cycle. Yeah, crazy. It is. I love that. And like even by like your facial expressions when you're singing and everything, it really is like a powerful experience. Like when you do watch someone on stage, just like singing a solo or anything musical, whatever it may be. Um. So what is some of your favorite roles that you've played so far throughout your career? Yeah. Um, okay. I think my favorite role that I've gotten to play, like point blank period, there's a few plays that I've loved being in, but this was probably like top. It was my last play in college. And we did this play called the Everybody Play. I can tell you who it's by. By... Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. It's called the Everybody Play. And it's really dark. It basically follows this one person who's named everybody because they're just supposed to be a representation of like humanity. And so it can be played by anybody. None of these roles are gender specific. None of them are any type of specific, which is part of why I loved it. Cause we got to have like a really amazing cast and it follows this person as they die. And so there's different like personifications of like different feelings. Like there was a character who was like love. There was a character who was kinship. There was a character who was fear. Like it's, and so they all talk to you and I played everybody in it. And it just like, it was wild. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had and also just the writing was so good and the work was so good and because the cast was so good I was able to like really give myself to it and I remember after we finished it because it was like filmed and then people could watch it um after we finished it I literally didn't tell anybody about it because like watching it was the equivalent of like seeing me naked like that is how like raw it was so I didn't tell anybody about it but now I look back and I'm like dang that was the best one that was it yeah that sounds like a really powerful script to be honest like I like that's a beautiful and I haven't even seen it you know but then that was a main role for you too right that was you were the main character yeah I mean Technically, yes. I I would like to think that Death was the main character in that play. I mean, it's called Everybody and like, you know, everybody was probably the most like relatable character. But Death, man. And we, the girl who played Death, she like 
was the most like heartwarming, like comforting person. And so seeing her play death every night and like come like reap me away it was like I want to go with you it was so cool (laughs) that like different interpretation and I like fell into a grave at the end it was a whole deal (laughs) wow wow that's insane they they do say I've heard it so many times that I'm assuming was death kind of like the villain almost oh which is why I love this play oh so were you were you the villain in a sense or like no Everybody was definitely, like, if we had to place a villain, Mm -hmm. everybody definitely was. Because it was, I mean, in my opinion, every single play is just that writer's theory on what the human spirit is and can do from everything. Literally, even Shrek fits in this category. Mm -hmm. We love Shrek. and (laughs) (laughs) So, I guess if we have to choose a villain, like, everybody was just so resistant to death the whole time because everybody didn't know what death meant or what they get to keep in the afterlife, anything, you know? And the play doesn't really give us the answer of like what happens beyond, but it definitely, all of the other characters, even the ones that feel scary, like they teach everybody about what we have to hold on to in this life and about how if we can have this like you know an arrival they like view life in like a time in like a circle mm-hmm. kind of that vibe and it's like all the other characters even death are just like so kind and comforting and like probably the most intense character is love that was my favorite scene like love just like yelled at me for like two minutes to like love myself which was very emotional but (laughs) Mm, yeah definitely kind of carried the villain torch for that just because they were so like against being human that's what it really is because like now I'm getting all philosophical but like dying is a part of being human and having that huge like resistance to it like that's resisting like your humanity and so that was a really cool play. It was very fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's got like a really good script behind it. And I just I feel like what I've heard from like other actors, performers, anyone in the entertainment industry is that the nicest people play the best villains. I don't oh. know what it is. Like you could just turn it on and like you could just be behind the scenes are so nice, so caring, so giving. And then they get on that stage or whatever they're doing and then they flip a switch into this character and then it's like, whoa. And that's what I love about acting. <laughs> I love that about acting because if you can really just like totally change your whole demeanor to play a character and like to make people believe that you actually are this character. And that's what I love about it. So was it hard for you to get into the headspace to play that character? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it was also such a dark play. So it was just like getting to that every day was... A lot. And I think part of what you learn in like acting training is how to keep yourself like safe in those situations. Cause like in order to get myself there, I like I had to go real dark about it. And so it was like, how do you climb yourself out of that at the end of the day? Cause you don't want to leave the theater like, oh my God, I just died. And like, I'm having an existential crisis now for the next like few hours. It's, you don't want that. So getting there was really wild. I remember I put like 
oh my god I literally sound like a little like morbid Wednesday Adams here I put like <laughs> pictures of <laughs> like dead family members around my dressing room and just would like sit in that before the show it was so bizarre like, yeah was- you have sometimes you just have to do things like that to really like become that character like I remember, and this is so tragic and such a sad story, but like when The Dark Knight came out, Heath Ledger played the Joker and I had read all these rumors and everything. I don't know if anything has been confirmed, but I know that that role really took a really big toll on him, like getting into that headspace to play that character. And ultimately he did pass away because I think he was taking like sleeping medicine or something like that and so that's really sad but it can be really hard as like an actor to get into a role especially when like the one you played or the one that he played you know yeah for real and it's I mean I've done some other things where I was like true villain just like total like brat and doing those things too it's so hard to like look at other actors after you work with them because like I'll say things to people in scripts and then I'll like look at them afterwards and I'm like I swear to you I was acting (laughs) (laughs) yeah where and it's funny that you bring up Heath Ledger I think that he's amazing and wonderful and like I'm I didn't see Dark Knight for the first time until like a few years ago I was pretty old and it just like method acting is scary method acting is so scary and that's part of why like I mean I don't know about everybody's experience with acting training but a huge part of mine was learning the like self-care get yourself out of it like how to climb your way out of a scene vibe Mm -hmm. it's I look at like method actors and I'm like I will personally never do that y'all are so brave though and (laughs) So what is, what's the definition of method acting? What does that require? Yeah. So method acting is when you basically never turn off your character. So yeah, I know Jim Carrey is a big method actor. Austin Butler did the whole method acting thing. I think Lady Gaga's talked about it too. And it's like, so let's say you're playing Joker. You would just start acting like the Joker every single day in every single aspect of your life. And it's a great exercise in like a timed manner to like get into the physicality and headspace. Cause you know, if I'm going to drink out of a water bottle as Megan, that's different than how the Joker is going to drink out of a water bottle. So it's a great exercise, exercise, exercise. (laughs) (laughs) But it is people take it and they'll do it for like months and like in a tiny way we see an effect with like Austin Butler right because man is still talking like he's Elvis you know yeah he got stuck in that and so it freaks me out completely but I mean it is effective that's why people use it yeah I don't know if I could do that either that's that's a whole that's a whole nother thing right there I honestly didn't even know what that meant so thanks for explaining that but um while we're talking about other actors and everything, who are some people that you take inspiration from? Like, who are some of your role models going into acting? Oh, my gosh. I The top of the top for me is Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Will ever beat her in my book. I am obsessed with her. I just saw, well, I didn't just see it. I saw it when it came out. But Woman King, she just did. It Oh my gosh, it was totally snubbed at the Oscars. I was very upset about that. Her performance was incredible. And just, I think I gravitate 
towards her and towards other women in this category who are just, I call it, okay, I call it ugly acting, which is mean because Viola Davis is beautiful. I'm not saying that she's ugly, but when women in theater, in movies, when they are able to like show full rage, when they are able to show themselves snot crying, when they are able to like really go there and feel those ugly, you know, quote, ugly emotions, to me, that is the most inspiring because for so long, women are told to be quiet and pretty and, you know, be people pleasing and contain all of that. And so seeing women in film and on stage really just like go for it, that is just so freaking beautiful to me. And there are other people in that category as well. But Viola Davis, I think, is the best example of that. And probably will always be for me. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, I just think about her performances. Like I got chills because she, I noticed about her, she plays a really good villain, but a really good, you know, protagonist as well. Like she can do both really well. And like, I just, I love her as an actress as well. I know. I think if I ever met her, she's one of the people where I would just like, freeze up i don't get starstruck easy just because in my head i'm like they're just people but if i that's met- how i think oh my gosh that's not just a person that's a god amongst us right there right exactly now i love that i love it so much um so recently i feel like you've been dabbling a little bit into modeling too right you've been working yeah. with some brands i saw a post recently you worked with a brand called 1920 so how has that experience been for you yeah that's actually been super fun and kind of funny because it was something that I wasn't seeking out. Um, It was something that I kind of fell into. I got a message from the owner of 1920 and she was just like, hey, like, I think you'd be great for this. Like you have a look I'm going for. Would you want to do it? And I was just kind of like, okay, here we go. And after that, like day on set, it was so much fun and I've been really lucky since um working with like some other brands because I really fell in love with like her in this shoot because you know it's a woman-owned business and she did it herself from the ground up and at that shoot it was a bunch of beautiful women all different like shapes and sizes And it was just like, I remember being there and realizing this is another way of storytelling. And that's kind of what got me through it because I was really nervous in front of the camera. But then I was like, wait a minute, like, think about all of the girls who look like me who will get to see this. And like, this is a part of their story, too. Like, that's so exciting. And so working with them was amazing. I absolutely loved them loved the day like the photographers were wonderful and it's so weird though when I go on their website and like I see myself there I'm like who is she yeah (laughs) it is really like you have to get into that headspace and can I just say I love that you did that because you know being and doing modeling you have to become like vulnerable you know and I love that talking about women empowerment I love that it shifted because you know 20 years ago, there were unrealistic standards put on to women, especially for modeling, you know, like 
people developed eating disorders and the, you know, all these negative impacts on their bodies and unrealistic expectations, like I was saying. So I just love that it's evolved where you said you went to a modeling shoot with a pretty big brand and you had fun. And that was the bit biggest thing that I got from that is that I love that it's shifted. You know, it's so important. No, for real. I was so expecting like, just, I don't know what I was expecting. Just not that wonderful of a community and it's made doing more things like that less scary like I just did a shoot with black box um productions black box photography oh my gosh one of those things they're amazing look at both and you'll find them (laughs) (laughs) and it's also like um woman-owned business they like model and they style their own shoots and they're wonderful and I got to go work with them and it was just another one of those experiences where it was like women really got this like (laughs) women are amazing and getting to like support and uplift like other women's visions and other women's stories and like be a part of that I was like this is this is literally it this is everything little Megan would have wanted from the world. And so I think about that too, because I'm like, if I would have like gone on to, you know, 1920 and seen that and seen all of the different women, seen how all of them were beautiful, all of them, you know, with the same setup and shoot wearing the same clothes, because that's part of it too. Like curvier women are often like put into a separate box. And so you'll see like all of the you know, more straight-sized women have, like, an amazing, beautiful background and amazing, beautiful clothes, and then they'll have, like, one image of, like, the curvy girl, and it's, like, weird, and so getting to be there and just, like, experience all of that and see the full scope of all of that and, like, look online, I'm, like, I hope some young girls see this and, like, see a little bit of a change and see themselves and know that they're beautiful beyond measure yeah that's the hope exactly and it makes people want to support the brand you know if anyone's listening to this interview right now and they're hearing your story they're like i want to look up 1920 at least that's what i would be thinking because you're like she had so much fun the brand is amazing they treat their models well so it makes people want to support the business even more as opposed to some other brands where you hear negative stories from models or like they didn't have fun It was a long day. They had to starve themselves for a week. It makes you not want to support that brand. So it's so important to me and to everybody, especially, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. And they also have men's clothes. They're great. (laughs) Okay. Well, then I'll be going to their website after this. I'll be checking it out (laughs) because I love supporting women, women in business as well. So for real. So anyways, that's what I found exciting about that journey and why I continued with it instead of just like hop in and going yeah. back in bubble. It's exciting because you're adding new layers to your career. You know, you might not have thought like, oh, like I can do modeling one day, but now it's available to you, you know, and it's just something else that maybe you fell in love with that maybe you weren't expecting to fall in love with. And that's the beauty of the journey is that <laughs> you find things along the way that you're like, well, this wasn't necessarily in my plan. This wasn't necessarily what I thought I was going to be doing, but I'm glad it's here now. You know, it's another way to empower the next generation, like you were saying earlier. And I I do love that as well. So what is one dreamer goal that you have and how do you plan on achieving it? Oh, gosh. I think 
a dream of mine would be okay do you know about backup do you know about the musical waitress i don't but it is intriguing i i love that name already <laughs> relatable <laughs> okay it is um a musical by sarah Bareilles, and the reason i bring it up is because it was the first musical on broadway with an entirely female like production team behind it so it was created entirely by women and it went to the tonys it didn't win anything that year because that was the year hamilton came out so like duh mm. hamilton slept which deservedly so hamilton was beautiful and amazing in its own right and did other wonderful things for people um but i would love to be a part of a women created project that like actually won best musical or best play or something um at the tony is just because i think that for so long right if you're not you know a straight white man your work is considered like not as valid because they still want us to pitch to them and so it's like i would love to see a play or a musical or even like a movie because it's even worse in film it's even worse in film but I would love to see one of those things with an entirely like women or non-binary non-conforming like team really create it and have it be successful in the awards route because like awards don't mean everything there are many beautiful things and like they're all politic in a way so in the grand scheme they don't mean much but it would be nice to have that acknowledgement and to see a slight change because as much as I can say on a personal level oh the Oscars don't mean anything they kind of determine who gets the biggest budget and yeah so, true yeah so I would love to see that happen and I would love to be a part of it and I think getting to that point really takes choosing what circles I'm in and choosing what jobs I take. And that's part of why when it comes to like working with brands, right? This is a separate like conversation kind of, but when it comes to like working with brands, like really being thoughtful about, okay, well, who owns this brand? Are they ethical? Who am I supporting? Like, taking those things into consideration and when it comes to accepting plays like I don't think any play written before the 2000s isn't like wildly sexist and <laughs> just like wildly transphobic wildly homophobic wildly racist like it's horrible so making sure that like when I choose roles in the future I'm looking at who wrote this what was their perspective like how will this impact the audience watching it and I think that as long as I can continue to make those decisions and like really have a full outlook on things and the bigger picture rather than just oh it's a role if I can have the bigger picture I think that that will really help me build that resume and meet those people who have the same vision that I do and create that this is the long game but <laughs> that's the baby steps I think I gotta take for now
Yeah, I love your mindset because I think so many people like you were just saying are like actors, especially models, whatever it is. They're like the first role that comes their way. They're just like, oh, yeah, I'll take it without even thinking about that. So I think that that sets you aside from a lot of the other people that are trying to make it in this industry because of you take the time to not to worry about like your career and your image and be like, it does this align with what I want to do. You know, I don't want to work for someone that is not a good person or that has a bad reputation of mistreating people, you know, and I, I love that. I think that that's so important in this industry because the entertainment industry can be vicious, you know, like people are just trying to get ahead and they'll do what they need to do to get to the top. And so to find people out there in this industry that are good people that genuinely just want to succeed and to spread light and positivity upon the world. I think that that's awesome that that's what you stand for. Yeah. And I mean, it is so hard. I get it when people like, you know, I needed the money, man, and they take the role. I'm like, you know, I understand. And it's hard because actors often are not, you know, at fault for the writing of the play. But at the same time, like, I think that we should still hold that same responsibility and that same accountability for our actors. And that's, you know, how I'm trying to treat myself. And in doing that, you know, I think that my career will take longer coming just because, you know, when you're not jumping at everything, you meet less people, you know, just that type of vibe. But if I can, you know, build a career that is honest and that aligns with what I stand for, I think that that's worth more than finding it tomorrow yeah but you know you never know that's the exciting thing about being in the entertainment industry is you never know all it takes is that one opportunity and it'll change your life you know like all it takes is that one thing you just have to you know keep putting yourself out there and you know manifesting these opportunities and eventually like you just never know when could be tomorrow could be in a year from now it's it's exciting you know, it keeps you on your toes. You're like, I, I don't know. My opportunity is coming. I know it's coming. But yeah. I just don't know when it's coming, you know, and it's it's nerve wracking. It's exciting. It's all of the above. It's all the emotions, you know, but I do <laughs> love what you said about the women empowerment thing as well. I know for the longest time, people were saying that like an all women's cast won't do well in the box office. It won't sell tickets, you know, and I, I want to see that perspective change. You know, I remember when Birds of Prey came out with, you know, Harley Quinn kind of being the lead in that DC, like 2020, I saw tons of articles about that because there weren't really a ton of male characters in that. I mean, the villain was a male, but they were saying that this movie won't do well. And I kept watching the box office numbers because I was like, I want it to succeed. (laughs) Because I want them to be proven wrong of like, oh, you didn't think women could sell tickets. Okay, let's look at these numbers. You know, it's almost like it lights that fire underneath you because you're like, let me let me prove you wrong. Wait till you see this storyline we got going, you know? Yeah. And it's so crazy that you bring up Birds of Prey because I I love superhero movies. I've always been a Marvel girly, seen every single one in theaters. Right. And only recently did we have you know, anybody who wasn't a straight white man be a superhero with a story. And it's, you know, they still need to do so much, but it's wild because I often, it makes me so angry because, oh my gosh, what's it called? Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. right? Wonder Woman was the first female-led 
superhero movie in like the major box office. And I remember when that came out, which is just upsetting that it didn't happen sooner, but right. And it was wonderful. And then Marvel had their chance and they did Captain Marvel and like, I don't know everybody's opinions about it, but it sucked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the best. <laughs> Watching it. And I was like, this is so upsetting. Like you had to have known how much was riding on this. Because if you put that out there, it's not just like another Iron Man movie where people are going to be like, oh, it was one bad one. No, this is a woman-led film. People are going to look for every single reason that they can tear it down and hate it and say, this is why women can't be superheroes. I will say Marvel has saved themselves with, you know, Scarlet Witch has saved themselves with Shuri, you know, we're doing Mm -hmm. We're doing better. Oh my gosh. Wakanda Forever was amazing. Oh my goodness. I love that movie. I literally, oh, that movie restored my faith in like women being badass superheroes. I was like, yes, correct. Because Wonder Woman 2 even kind of dropped the ball. We just had women being jealous of each other. And I was like, guys, we can do better. We can do better. (laughs) I think the first movie that I want to say came out when we were kids Charlie's Angels, I think might would have been, it was a little controversial, but the one with Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, that came out, I think, early 2000s. And I think that did pretty good in the box office for like an all-women-led cast. It was a little sexualized, but I think that it was a pretty empowering movie for the times. So I think that was one of the first ones, right? You know, I've never seen Charlie's Angels. Okay. <laughs> It's it's actually really good. So the newer one that came out wasn't as good that they tried to do a reboot of the series and it kind of flopped. Mm. It was a whole different cast and everything, but you should definitely watch it. Um, The first they made, I think, two or three of them. But the first one is very, very good. And it's like an all women led cast for the early 2000s. And I think even the female was even the villain was a female. I think it was yeah. Demi Demi Moore who played the villain. So very good, very good movie. So, but I want to. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I want to see more of those all women led casts of all main characters, villains, protagonists, and everything. The men can be side characters. Oh my gosh, that's right? why I'm obsessed with the new Barbie movie. The and he's just Ken. I'm like, yes, I love it when they make men like total himbos and things because I'm like that is how you've treated us this whole time I am excited to sit here and watch them just be stupid I I eat it up it's amazing yeah I can't wait to see that movie that's coming out in I think June of this year but Megan thank you so much for taking the time to do this this was such an amazing interview if anybody wants to follow you on Instagram where can they follow you yeah my handle is just Megan Peck underscore so easy Simple enough. Well, Megan, thanks again. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I really enjoyed talking with Megan about her acting career. And if you guys haven't already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Pod. And we'll see you next Tuesday for an all new episode.